Thanks for tuning in to the Equip Podcast. My name is Jeff Chris. I'm the lead pastor of Gateway Assembly. We are so excited to bring to you some leadership principles and practices to equip you in your calling. We believe that you can do what God has called you to do. So let's get right into it. I didn't have it in my notes, but I want to go here. Mm -hmm. Um, We're also living in a pastoral culture, a church culture, that uh, I know a lot of pastors. Um, I'm really sorry to say a lot of pastors in our fellowship. uh, They're scared to talk about homosexuality. Mm -hmm. They're scared to talk about divorce. Sure. Um, Because, oh, you know, people... A lot of people in the church are divorced now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we don't we don't want to go there. Uh, sure, they're scared to talk about because this culture is like if you go there about homosexuality, yeah, uh, you know, you're you're labeled. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're scared to talk about the woke culture. They're sure, scared, scared to talk about the BLM culture. Yep. I mean, all these different. Things that and I uh, that you know we need to bring to light. We need to, um, and that, in fact, my very first sermon for the this year was, uh, "There's no other culture that I'm going to bow down to, and uh, the only culture I'm going to bow down to is the culture that Jesus Christ has created for sure. us to to thrive yeah, in, kingdom culture." And um, but they're scared. To go there, and it's all about—they're scared to lose people. Of course, they're scared that being canceled. Yeah, they're scared <laughs> to be canceled. You know, the, yeah, the cancel culture. And um, um, I want to encourage. I always encourage pastors, um, you know, because you know I don't want to be an island to myself. Yeah. Um, but I even tell our people. Uh, I do care about what they say, if they have a suggestion for me, if they have a, co- a comment. But if it's if it's um, uh, contrary to the word, I really don't care what right. people have to say. There's only one I care about. Yes. Uh, and his name's Jesus Christ. And he it's his church. He leads the church. But there is a fear. There is. Among pastors mm-hmm. to go there. That's right. And um and we all know we love these individuals. We love, let's say, for use example, um, the homosexual, no the transgender, I mean, whatever uh is going on today. We love these individuals, but we don't love the sin. We love the adulterer, but we don't love the sin. We of love course. the drunkard, but we don't love the sin. Um but what would you, how would you encourage these pastors? Yeah, I would definitely encourage them. I would rather die speaking the truth of God's word than I would live compromising it. You know, think about the story in the Old Old Testament. I preached on it last night. That was an anti-God culture that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were embroiled in. Yeah, Daniel was embroiled in it in Babylon. It was anti-God. New Testament, it's anti-Christ. Uh, but they made that choice. I'd rather die pleasing God than I would to compromise and live with everybody else in idolatry. Same with Daniel. I'd rather continue to pray to my God and die doing it than I would to uh, make compromises so I can live longer just so that I won't be attacked. 
And I think that's the same heart that we have to have as God's ministers that like Stephen, you know, before he was stoned, he's ripping into everybody. I'll tell you the truth before you kill me. You know, I'd rather tell the truth. I'd rather speak the truth and be crucified for it than I would to silence the truth. As you said, you got to stand before God one day. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I remember uh, that Paul encouraged Timothy that you've got a gift in you that was given there by God. And Paul said, through the laying on of my hands, he said, fan it into flames. Second Timothy chapter um, uh, one and verse six, fan it into flames. It came through the laying on of my hands for God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel of the power of God or by the power of God. So notice, uh, and it seems as though Timothy had this, because Paul had to encourage him multiple times. You're young, but still bring correction and preach the word to everyone in the assembly. Mm. Timothy almost must have had this issue where he felt like he was unworthy because he was a young man. Right. And Paul said, listen, you don't have don't have a spirit of fear, a power, love, sound mind, uh, and don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. So it's interesting that in context, these things are being said together. You know, don't be don't have a spirit of fear and don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Uh, but share in suffering for the gospel. We talked about this. Part of suffering for the gospel is the persecution that comes for telling the truth, for saying what the Bible says. We don't say it in hate. I've never met one homosexual that I didn't love. Mm-hmm. I've never met one lesbian that I didn't love. Right. Never met one transgender person that I didn't love. Um, I have had homosexual couples that like have started coming into our uh, revival meetings. And you know I didn't throw them out. Say, we're not having that in this sanctuary, you know, get that filth. No, I love them. I want them to hear the word of God. I want them to respond to the gospel. Amen. And I remember once when I was in Pittsburgh, they came to the altar, gave their heart to Jesus. And the next night, only one of them came back. So I figured they must have broken up, you know, (laughs) but I mean, I don't, I don't hate anybody. Right. I hate the devil. You know, I hate what he does to people, but I love people. And I, I always give this analogy because it it helps pastors to hear this. I have a five-year-old son. And if he was out on the interstate, just goofing off on the yellow lines, dancing around, and I look down the road and I see a Mack truck coming, as a loving father, I'm, I'm not going to stand on the side and go, now you better get over here, you're going to be grounded. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to run out there screaming, and if it's in the last moments, I'll dive if I have to and knock his body off of the interstate and take the hit for him. Right. Or I'll run out there and grab his arm and yank him off the interstate. Now, mm-hmm. if somebody's lens is so far zoomed in that all they see is this big dad running out, yanking a little five-year-old's arm. And oh, his shoulder, he must be. You know, there's a, he's too rough. We should call Child Protective Services. He doesn't need to be having a boy if that's how he treats him. <laughs> Zoom your lens out right. and see that there's a Mack truck coming. And if I didn't act as I did, his life would have been gone. And the, and the reason people have an issue with the way that we approach the LGBTQ community, those that are living in sin, the reason we go hard preaching the truth, not because we have hate in our heart, it's because we've zoomed our lens out mm. and I can see the Mack truck of eternity coming. It's right. And if I don't pull you or even tell you the truth to get you out of a damaging place, mm. there will come a day it'll be too late. Mm. And I don't want to see you end in hell. I don't want to see you end in destruction. I love you. I want to see you saved. I want to see you saved from eternal damnation. And, and people are just offended that you would even say that that warrants punishment or eternal damnation or that you even call it a sin. I didn't call it a sin. Right. The Bible calls it a sin. Mm-hmm. I don't change the word of God because the culture changes. And so 
the reason that we preach and continue to stay uh, consistent with the scripture is because it is the only thing that'll bring life. The only thing. Jesus is not one of many ways. He is the door. He is the way. There's none other. No one can come to the Father except through him. But you can't come through him if you don't obey his word. Mm -hmm. And so the reason we go hard is because I love every person in the LGBTQ community. I love adulterers. I love people that are uh, embroiled in sin. They're in the dredges of sin, but I want to see them saved. But the only way to do that is to give them the truth. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. And it is love that pushes us, nothing else but love. And um, so I encourage pastors, you know, yeah, there's going to be pushback. There's going to be persecution. There's mm-hmm. going to be hate online. Mm-hmm. You're going to get trolled. You're going to get people that spew hate. You may have people lay down in front of your parking lot and not let your people come in. I've mm-hmm. had pastors that have had happened to them. But you don't stop loving people, and you don't stop preaching the truth because we want to see people say before it's too late. I'll give you one verse before uh, we move on with that. But John 9, 4, Jesus told his disciples, we must work the works of him who sent me while it's still day because mm-hmm. the night is coming where no man can work. So that means that the gospel is a limited time offer mm-hmm. and we only have a limited time to preach it. But once it runs out, I don't have anything else I can do to help you. And I don't want to get to that point and miss out on reaching you and that you atter- you end in destruction. I love you too much to allow that to happen. And the signs are all around us. All around if you're us. a man of God or a woman of God, you you know the signs are all around us. And so the day is approaching. And this is not a day to try to build churches with numbers. This That's is right. a day just to Go proclaim the love and the gospel of That's Jesus right. Christ. And so I thank you so much for that because um, pastors, uh, you know, they're living in fear. And I, I'm... Uh, and and I know the, the scripture you brought forth in Timothy there, but uh, it is something that God wants to release his spirit oh, in us pastors. And um, and people, there's a people out there, and most of them are sinners that are looking for truth. Mm-hmm. They're looking for truth. They're looking for us to lead the way. They're, yeah. you know, and... We're not, not, you've said it different times in the revival, we're not here to look like the world. We're here to be different from the world because the world is looking for somebody that will look different from them. That's right. We're never going to reach people by becoming more like them. Mm -hmm. The thing that gives you an impact is being totally unlike them. That's why I don't agree with like, you know, I've, I've seen churches who've got these bar ministries. We go in and we drink with them at the bar and we tell them about Jesus, we show them love. I knew a pastor that had, he gave a guy that was an alcoholic on the street. He said, listen, I so badly want you in church. You can sit on the front row. And he gave, he said, I'll give you a six pack. You can can sit on the front row and drink it while you listen to me preach. But the question is, how far do we go with that? What if the dude's struggling with lust? Do we give him a lap dance while the pastor's preaching on the front row? You know, what if he struggles with drugs? Do we give him a mirror and a line of cocaine and a hundred dollar bill rolled up on the front row? How far do you go with that thought process before people realize that's insanely stupid? Yep. You don't supply somebody's sin to try to change their life. Mm. You bring them into a place where the anointing is moving and the anointing convicts of sin. The Bible says nobody can be saved unless the spirit of God draws him Mm. and he's drawing through the gospel preached and brings conviction. Doesn't mean we don't love him and feel for those that are in an issue or problem. We have a high priest that's touched 
with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus feels it. He loves you enough. He's there to change you. Um, my pastor says something often. He'll say, you know, um, he said, you can come to church the way you are. He said, you can hear this word the way you are, but God loves you enough to not leave you the way you are. Mm, that's good. And, and that's really the case is that the gospel brings change, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not going to be how much like, how much like the world we are that changes them. They should see a difference in us. And that, that alone brings conviction. Mm -hmm. They see the distinction between what God's people look like and what the world looks like. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, last, I want to uh, close with, you know, you've talked a lot about unity sure. this uh, week. And um, uh, if you would know anything about my past or my ministry, I'm all about unity. You know, I even joke around and say to the people, you know, if you're not in unity, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> right. You, know, you, you got to be in unity. Uh -huh. um, when Tammy and I were raising our three boys, I mean, we just talked about unity. Unity yeah. is such a key. I know where there, when there's unity in, our, in the Lord, he shows up. Yes. Big time. Um, I have noticed in the last two years especially, uh, like a spirit of offense. Yep has not only exploded in the streets, the rioting in our nation, but in the churches. That's right. Um, there's two things that I know the scripture talks about that we will see before Jesus comes, the lawless one mm -hmm. and um, the falling away. That's right. The rebellion, uh, they call it. Um, talk about that. Have you been seeing the last two years something happen, like a spirit of offense that's trying yeah. to destroy the unity? Absolutely. And, and as I said, that that scripture really blew me away from James that uh, where there are these things, you know, it's, it's this pride, it's this self, self ambition. It brings division. And there you have it at which gives way to every evil work. You know, Jesus said, before I return, uh, the world will be like it was. And he gave two signs like it was in the days of Noah mm -hmm. and it was in the days of Lot. And you look around and you look back, what was the days of Noah like? The Bible says there was extreme corruption and violence everywhere you looked. And in the days of Lot, extreme sexual perversion everywhere you looked. We well, just look around. Violence and corruption in every area of life. Sexual perversion that's unashamedly marching in the streets, celebrated, you know. Uh, and we're seeing all the things Jesus said in our lifetime. Right. Uh, being celebrated all around. You can't turn the news on without seeing another act of violence, more corruption discovered. It's in every, It's not just in in government. We're seeing it in sports. You know, we're seeing uh, it on the Oscars. Uh, yeah, Oscar. We're seeing it in churches. Even you huh? know, we find pastors embezzled, pastors fall. All these things. It's crept into every aspect mm -hmm. of life. And Jesus said, "It'll be like that. It'll be like that before I come back." And that breeds all these things. Breed the division. I like, I mean, one thing I can see that you've done so well, you can feel the unity in your church where the people, I mean, if, if there's something the church is doing, the church is all doing it. We've seen it this week during the revival, just people that are, you know, you've pushed this revival and people are here together, ready to receive. People are ready uh, for what God's going to do. You can feel it. You can sense it. And there's a division that the, the enemy is great at this. He loves to drive a wedge. In between, because once people start to get into division, mm -hmm. you think about this, once there's offense, 
What is the real? Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. What is the real goal of offense? It is to take someone out of their love walk because faith works by love. And faith is the only thing that pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't walk in love. And so that division that brings brought in by, uh, like you said, people getting offended, bringing division, it takes people literally out of the ability for God to move in their life. I've seen churches, I'll give you a story that will kind of make you laugh. My dad went to preach in the very beginning of his ministry. He just started. Him and my mom had just gotten married. And uh, goes to this church he'd never been to before. And uh, my daddy operates strongly in the gifts of the Spirit. He stands to preach on the Sunday morning to start the week of revival. And the Lord says, uh, don't preach. Tell them all to repent and leave the church. So he's like, what? My mom, you know, she's New Englander, super, you know, laid back, very, mm-hmm. you know, quiet. And she's sitting on the front row and he goes, the Lord tells me I'm not to preach. You all need to repent. And I'll be back tonight to start the revival. Bonnie, get your stuff. We're leaving. And they just walked out of the church. I mean, like, and uh, they went to a diner and had lunch. And the pastor, they came back tonight and said, Brother Ted, you would not have believed what happened. He said, we're sitting there. He said, you don't know the backstory of our church. He said, we have two large families that are in a massive feud. For years, they've been in it. They won't even speak to each other. They sit on both sides of the church. They don't, they won't talk. They won't Mm -hmm. look at each other. He said, there's been total division in our church. He said, you stood up and gave that, uh, that, that word from the Lord. They need to repent. And you said, and I'll come back. He said, they just sat there in silence for a while after you left the church. It was like, we didn't know what to do next. He said, and all of a sudden, people started to weep. He said, and one of the family members stood up on one of the side of the church and came across the aisle and hugged another one. Wow. He said, and they all started standing up and hugging. He said, and it was like a restoration Sunday mm-hmm. morning. They all started loving each other. Many of them couldn't even remember what the fight was about. It's been so long. He said, and it brought unity. He said, no, my dad came back Sunday night. The revival broke out. I mean, hit the church like, the pastor, how funny is this? He's like, I've been here for years, Brother Ted. The final night of the revival, he goes, folks, this is the best state this church has ever been in. I'm giving my resignation. He said, I'm leaving it on a high. Oh, And it was such a, a breakthrough. Sure. He said, it's not going to get any better than this right here. And And literally- the, the power of God through unity mm. shook that whole church into revival. Man. You know, look, the Holy Spirit wouldn't even come until they were all in one place in and one accord. Totally. Day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And it, it's the unity that God uses to bring strength. You know, we're unified. And uh, look at how God whittled down uh, the army, mm-hmm. you know, started with 30,000, whittled them down to 300. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was what? The ones that were in unity. Right. The ones that had the same vision, same heart, ready to fight. And uh, I feel like that's that's the powerful thing, is that the strength is in the unity. Division destroys the ability for God to move and be manifested in, in, in those services. So I, I'm, I'm with you. You have to have that unity. Pastors, what they deal with, and so many pastors struggle with this, is confrontation. Uh, I talked to a pastor uh, miles down the road years ago, uh, I found out he, his church was running 200. And um, next thing I know, the thing's splitting. Uh, I, right away, it was early on when I was here as a senior pastor. And right away, I went to him. I'm like, what happened? I want, because I wanted to learn from it. And he told me that 
the organist came against him. Mm -hmm. He knew that that individual, this woman that had this like Jezebel spirit Mm -hmm. was against him, was uh, bringing division in the church. He knew about all of it. Yeah. But he said the number one thing that he did wrong was he just only prayed. Yeah. He thought if he would pray, God would take care of the problem. Yeah. He didn't correct it. He didn't correct it. And I learned by that. What would your advice be to these pastors that struggle with confrontation? Yep. You have to be strong. I mean, there's no question about it. You're going to have, if you don't, if you don't understand human nature, you will have to do it. Um, one of the things that the word of God tells us is that one of our jobs as leaders in the body of Christ, it's not to just bring exhortation and encouragement. Mm. It's to bring reproof and correction. And uh, it has to be done. People have to be corrected. And sometimes we do that more than the other. Oh, yeah. Depending on the season. Well, it's like a pastor told me the same thing. He said, you know, I had a guy who was like one of my associates. And he said, he came into my office one Sunday, and he said, or one, one day through the week, he said, Pastor, you know, I, I'm not going to be here forever. He said, I really feel to pastor at some point. And he said, the pastor said to him, he said, well, obviously you'd never start a church in town here. You'd go far away. He said, well, I can't promise you that, Pastor. I'll do whatever the Lord tells me to do. He said, I went home and said to my wife, I think so-and-so just told me that he might try to plant a church in our town one day. He said, and my mistake was I didn't immediately release him from the church. He said, I let him stay. He said, he got in with all my tithers. Mm. He talked, won their loyalty, their affections, mm-hmm. all the stuff. He said, I let it stay, stay, stay. He was part of the, because he was part of those that handled the finances, so he knew who the tithers were, all of that. And he said, I didn't, I didn't correct it immediately. He said, I should have. He said, what I would do now? He said, the very next Sunday after that man told me that, I would have brought him up in front of the crowd and said, we're so thankful for Pastor so-and-so. He's done such a great job here at the church. We're going to send he and his family out. They're going to go play in the church. And he said, there, once you see loyalties divided, you separate it out. Mm-hmm. He's because it'll just fester, and then that there'll be frustration, there'll be division, and all of a sudden, you have a problem. And he said, um, but he did. He gathered all my people that were tithers and all that. He said, he took a good portion of my church and went down the road, split us, mm-hmm. you know, and, and brought total chaos and division to the church, which that man will answer for someday. Right. But- uh, I believe there are ways, those pastors, hear me, you're not going to be able to just encourage all the time. There will be correction that's needed because you don't have just sheep. There will be wolves mm-hmm. that will try to uh, destroy what God's building. And you've got to be the, the the watchman on the wall. Look at look at the way, a, a great analogy, right? Look at Nehemiah as he's building for God and has his people building for God. Well, what did they have? a tool in one hand, a sword in the other. Right. Knowing we've got to build for God, but we also have to protect what we're building for mm-hmm. God. And if Nehemiah would have come down off the wall to talk to Sambalat and Tobiah, who their only purpose was we need to kill him and stop this production for God. There will always be Sambalat and Tobiah people that come toward the church, that they're only there to destroy what God's building. That's the only reason they're there. Mm-hmm. You have to identify that spirit and you've got to take authority over it, and you bring correction. Mm-hmm. And um, I understand it's uncomfortable right. to confront, but people that are in leadership positions, they have to be strong in the Lord to the point where they don't mind the confrontation. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it'd be it's better to do the confrontation early and often than it is to wait until it's too late and it's taken a huge toll on your ministry, your own peace, your own joy as a leader. Now you feel as like, oh, I'm I, I'm a bad leader. I made a mistake. I didn't do that. It's better to just handle it early and in love, but with strength, you know, than it is to allow it to destroy your ministry or uh, take a hit in your ministry. You've got to be the one that says, you know what, what I'm doing now is actually an act of love for the sheep that are here. Because if I don't do this, it will actually hurt them. Right. You see what I mean? So I'm, like, I'm with you on that. There's one. like a confusion in this generation of so-called people that want to be shepherds. Mm-hmm. They forget what a shepherd's job is. You know, mm-hmm. we have a we have this staff and a rod, right? And we are to protect the sheep. That's right. And but there is this celebrity type of thinking. Yep. That they concentrate more on their skill of preaching. Yeah. To be the next big celebrity pastor, which is totally anti-scripture. Sure. Is you know, God has called us to be lowly shepherds. And uh, I talk to my team all the time about this, that, you know, we don't want to forget our calling. We don't right. want to forget who God has called us to. Yep. And uh, that, you know, honing the skill of being the next great preacher, you know, I guess that's okay, but that is not really what we're called yeah, to. That's not we call. are called as shepherds to um, spend that time uh, uniquely watching over our sheep. Yeah. Going after the one that goes astray and sure. so on. And to know, have an, enough intimacy in the spirit and also in the church to understand God's church and how we need to protect it, how we need to encourage it, how we need to lift it up, how we need to also even bring the next truth. Yeah. And so on. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you come from that generation. You're that younger generation. Sure. You're seeing, um, I know, I'm sure you're seeing a, a, a new phase of, um, I even hate calling it celebrity pastors and so on. And, and God bless them, you know, and so on. And, um, but, um, what would you, what would be your encouragement as we're on this topic of, you know, um, confrontation, looking over the church, looking over the sheep and so on, um, to really understand, because a lot of times pastors just come in and think, well, if I just preach that word, uh, the church is just going to grow on my preaching. Um, but it is so much what pastors do is to protect the sheep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to, um, I, I don't know if you're even understanding my oh, I question. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. What would be, um, uh, along that basis that, uh, to hone in their understanding of what they're called to. Truly? I think it's, it's about your goals. So like, for example, God has no problem making your name great, but the key is if you humble yourself, mm-hmm. he exalts you. Amen. Now there's a lot of pastors trying to exalt themselves. Right. You know, we see that on social media all the time. They're, they're just trying to become famous and, and it's coming out. It's coming out in a lot of, in a lot of places, but 
it's the goals, right? So if my goal is to accomplish the work he gave me, I heard a pastor of one of the largest churches in the world. I went to his leadership conference a few years ago, and he said, your job as pastors is to care for the sheep. He said, you keep the grass green. You care for the sheep. He said, why would God ever give you any more sheep if you're abusing the ones he's already given you? Good. And he talked about that with his pastors. But one of the things you'll recognize, if you humble yourself and realize his ways are higher than my ways, his thoughts are higher than my thoughts, if I'll accomplish his purpose, he'll exalt me. You know, he, God had no problem saying to Abraham, I'll, I'll not only bless you, I'll make your name great. Mm -hmm. That didn't bother God that Abraham's name was great. That's right. Look at Billy Graham. I wouldn't say there was an ounce of pride in his body right. or desire to be a celebrity, mm -hmm. but, but you better believe God made his name great because yeah. every president knew him, everybody in the nation, they called him America's pastor. Mm -hmm. He was the pastor to presidents. Uh, you know, I don't look at Joel Osteen and think, man, there's a prideful guy. Mm -hmm. I don't believe, I don't believe he is prideful. No. I believe he's a humble man, right. especially when you know what he had to deal with with his father. Right. He didn't even feel qualified to preach, wore his father's shoes. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew that. He kept his dad's shoes, and even though they were, he had a smaller shoe size than Joel, he said, I was so intimidated to stand in that pulpit and preach. He said, I, by faith, put my dad's dress shoes on every Sunday morning and preach in my wow. dad's dress shoes. Wow. Didn't feel like he could even do it. Not a prideful man, mm -hmm. a humble man that lived his life behind the scenes in the television ministry. Mm -hmm. But now God's exalted him. It's not, it's not because he's this guy seeking celebrity. Mm -hmm. You look at those the God's exalted, but they're people that have, humbled themselves before the Lord. God doesn't have a problem with that. But for the people that are, that's not their goal to humble themselves and do the work of God, but to then go and make themselves a celebrity. Yeah. And that's what I'm, then you find the pride has crept up mm -hmm. and then you see pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Mm -hmm. And that, what that truly means is you're putting yourself before the sheep God's entrusted you mm -hmm. with. There's the issue. So what, what do I encourage people to do? Well, one of the things that I feel like, and you've addressed it a little, one of the things we have an issue with in my generation is that everybody wants to be a lone ranger. There's nobody that's submitted to spiritual authority. Mm -hmm. God set up impartation in his script, in the word for the purpose of no one has to do it alone. They don't have to wonder, how do I do this? You should have a spiritual father or somebody that's in your life that's been there, done that, that you don't have to sit and wonder like, I don't know how I should handle this. You should be able to go to someone and say, what, what should I do? And they say, you need to make this happen. You know, it's like, uh, I thank God that I've had that. Uh, it's probably rare for most, most people that my natural father was also my spiritual father. But somebody that will tell you strongly, like, you don't need to be doing that. You need, you know, I remember when I was young, I thought my dad was like, I can't believe he'd tell me this. He was like, until you're like 30, 35, you need to really only be preaching four, four things. And so what is it? He said, you need to be preaching salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, healing, and the soon coming of Christ. It's until you're faithful to be able to preach the doctrines, uh, the, the the major doctrines of Christianity, he said, you don't need to be going off preaching these other things. And I used to think, man, well, what if the Lord leads me to preach on something different? And now that I'm older, I realize, like, you listen to people preach, they don't have a handle on any of the basic things. It's all become about stuff that's, like, so uh, random and arbitrary. Where's the meat that changes lives? And just by listening to the instruction of a spiritual father, you know, Paul said it this way. He wrote to Philemon, and he said, listen, I'm going to send Onesimus back to you. He said, formerly, he was useless to you, but I became his father while in prison. And now 
he's not only very, he's not only very useful to me, but also to you. So impartation takes you from useless to useful. Hmm. It it causes you to grow. And the Lord dealt with me strongly about that. I wrote a book on it, that impartation is God's system to grow people in their calling. Your boys, you know, the nice thing about it, you didn't start where your father started. Mm -hmm. You got to start on another level because you saw where he was, what all the things he did, his faithfulness, but you got to start a different level. Your boys won't start where you started. They'll start on another level and already have. Well, that's how impartation works. They should be able to take all of your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to start where my grandfather started or my father. I thank God where I'm at at 40 years old, I'm going to be 40 this year, is uh, is a supernatural thing. But it's look, my grandfather, that's 62 years of faithfulness. My dad, that's 45 years of faithfulness. So I'm already operating on over 100 years of faithfulness that I'm a beneficiary of because I've come from that thing and learned from them and received from them, learned what not to do, what to do. They've got p- correction. That's how God works. Mm-hmm. Elijah, Elisha, Moses, Joshua, Jesus, disciples, Paul, Timothy. That's how it works. And many pastors don't have it because it's not about being a part of a denomination, but who do you have right. in your life that can tell you, don't do that? And I don't mean a board. And I don't mean lay people that are businessmen. I mean, right. who's a man of God that's in your life that can say to you, mm-hmm. don't do that? Who can say to you, you don't need to deal with this that way. Deal with it this way. Mm-hmm. It'll help you. And we, the devil wants us to be lone rangers and feel isolated because mm-hmm. then we're like, I don't know what, to, I don't know what to do. I don't know where, but God sets people in our lives truly yeah. that, uh, and, and, and pride is a thing that celebrity feel. That's a thing that will stop you from trying to seek out correction. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. I seek out correction. The Bible says wise people seek out correction. Amen. Fools hate correction. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I want somebody to tell me if I'm doing something dumb. If I'm doing something that's like off or if I'm if I'm headed down a path that's going to bring my ministry into destruction or hurt, tell me now. Correct me now, you know? And I'll seek it from men. I thank God for whoever God's connected me with. Those that I trust, I'll I'll text them, I'll call them. What do you think about me doing this? You think this is a mistake? You think this is dumb? You know, tell me what you think. And they'll tell me. I want people around me that'll tell me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that celebrity how is it possible you have things coming out where there's been so many problems behind the scenes and no one ever stopped and corrected them. No one ever, these pastors that are falling and then it comes out later, so-and-so knew it was going on for two years. Right. Where was the correction? Why were they never sat down? Mm-hmm. Why was there never any restoration? See, there's, there's the issue. No one was there in holiness, in authority to say, you're making massive mistakes and you're not even qualified at this moment to be a minister for Christ. Mm-hmm. You need to sit down and be restored. Those are the things that bring uh, a reproach to the gospel, that you don't have somebody that's willing to correct. And I encourage every every man of God that, you know, it's important to have people that can speak into you, that will bring correction. And pride always goes before destruction mm-hmm. because it's me over God mentality. Me over God. Me over God. So you see it in our in our culture. But again, it's part of that end time prophecy part of what the Bible says will come to pass. Men will be lovers of themselves. Men will be, I mean, you see that Mm. it's a selfie generation. Mm -hmm. I think Craig Rochelle wrote the, wrote the book on that, but men will be lovers of themselves. That's what you have today. It's like pastors are more interested in posting their outfit. They preached in on Sunday Mm. than actually what the Lord's doing in their, in their church. Mm -hmm. It's like, here's my Louis Vuitton shoe, you know, shoes. And here's my Supreme jacket. 
It's like, dude, that's that's what your ministry is based around. That's what you want to show everybody. Right. Not how many people are being saved on Sunday morning or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> well, and that's what, um, and that's where I, I was going with the question. Yeah. And, you know, again, I tell my staff, I'm very transparent with my staff. Um, uh, there, I have two spiritual sons and I have three biological sons. Yeah. And I, I want us all to be accountable to each other. Sure. Um, no matter how, what different levels God takes us, and He's taken us to, you know, a lot of different levels since yeah. I've been here. And um, and I I've been I have been on this earth long enough to see how Satan can move in to uh, all our lives very quickly and destroy sure. something in a moment that God has built in that took years. Yep. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's this, uh, my, I was with a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic, um, this subject was brought up among my staff and it was like, I, I started, honestly, I started crying. I just started crying to my staff because they were showing me uh, a video of a very extremely were pastors would call a very successful ministry and all the behind the scenes things. Mm -hmm. And all I could think was the younger generation pastors that look at that. Right. And say, that is truly ministry Mm -hmm. instead of, or, you know, and then this generation, they put a map out and they started looking at the economics right, of the demographics of demographics every place. <laughs> of everything. This is where we need to go instead of saying to, Lord, like where Isaiah. Do you want me to go? Yeah. Here I am, send me. Right. And uh and I started to cry to my staff. Literally tears were just f- flowing down my face that you know, guys, we're lowly shepherds. We're lowly shepherds. If God wants to exalt us, he will exalt us, but when we're ready to be exalted right. on his time frame. But in the meantime, we always are lowly shepherds. Even when God exalts, mm-hmm. we're still lowly shepherds. Oh, yeah. And uh, think, so, think about the fact that Samuel anointed David to be king, mm-hmm. and then what did David do? Went right back out to the sheepfold and became a shepherd again. Right, right. He, he wasn't king immediately. Right. It wasn't time for him to be king immediately. Mm-hmm. His exaltation, his anointing was there. But his promotion wasn't there yet. Mm. And you think of all the things he had to do before he was the king. And all those things prepared him for being the king. The the potential was there. The anointing was there. But the promotion wasn't there yet. Mm. And that's where I believe with these with guys, God will take you through these things where it's like, I'll see, is your character ready? Is your life ready? Is your diligence ready? Is your mm. passion ready? And the anointing's in you, but the promotion's on God's schedule. Mm. I love it. I love it. And if men and women that are called to ministry um, could just take that to heart. Amen. uh, And go after that which God has called them to. um, That is such a great word. That is such a great word. I tell you, man, I've enjoyed this time talking with you. And um, you have a real anointing on you. You have a real calling on you. Amen. And I, I, I just love so much you and Carolyn and your family. We love you. You guys. Um, you guys truly want to go to a church to serve the church. Amen. And it's not about you guys. It's about what God wants to do through you. Amen. And I, I just so appreciate that with you too. And, um, and I know God is taking you through 
um, where God is going to take you through unbelievable journeys Amen. for his kingdom's sake. And I know these are the last days. These are the last days. And we need your voice. We Amen. need your voice. And so, um, but I just really want you, as we've been in trying to encourage pastors and trying to uh, encourage from from them as individuals to their families and their marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, I always love to end the podcast with just having the uh, the the guests to pray over them. Sure. And so if you could do that this yeah. time. Father, I ask you, for everyone that's watching, those that are listening, I pray in Jesus' name that not only would you strengthen them personally, them, their, their wives, their husbands, whatever their spouses, I pray that you would touch them today with a new hunger for your word, Amen. with a new uh, boldness to speak the word, a new compassion for people, a new urgency to get this word out before it's too late. Lord, I pray that you would open doors for them that previously would not open. Mm-hmm. Whatever they're believing for in their ministry, maybe it's new land, new buildings, they're open, open doors for uh, to reach through media. Yes, Lord, yeah. open the doors. Yes, I pray you do something supernatural that would blow the minds mm-hmm. of natural men in Jesus' mm-hmm. name. Lord, I pray that you'd bring provision into their ministries, mm-hmm. that they'll never lack for any good thing as they obey you and they do what they're called to do. I thank you that they'll overflow and abound to every good work in Jesus' mighty name. Protect them from the spirit of this world. Protect them from a spirit of pride. Don't ever let them fall into that trap that the enemy sends to try to exalt themselves above the calling that's upon their life. Lord, I pray that you would see so many souls saved through their ministry, that people would be restored through their ministry, healed through their ministry. Mm -hmm. And I pray that this would be the greatest year they've ever seen in their ministry and then continue to increase by the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for calling them. Thank you for positioning them. And thank you for using all of us for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. And I encourage you to claim that in Jesus Christ. God bless you guys.